Um, your mom, she's, uh, she's a piece of work, you know? Indeed I do. Welcome to Storybroke. Miserably ever after. I'm here, Mads. <laughs> and so am I, Elaine. <laughs> uh, we've had a we've had a couple months. It's been it's been a rocky couple of it's, months. It's been one thing after another, a couple of months, mm-hmm. but we're mm-hmm. here now. Yes, we are here. Um for the time being. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I have a I have a very ill family member. Um who is in the hospital right now that has been kind of time consuming. And we also had to say uh, goodbye to a, a family companion. So it's so, so what? I don't know. I don't want to start this episode off with a downer, but that's kind of what's happened with me. That's why I've been very scarce. Um, but we are here to talk about once upon a time. How are you, Elaine? Oh, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, I, uh, I work full time and I have a baby full time. And the sun's just started coming up and I don't have my garden ready to go yet. So I get to the end of my work day and my baby goes to bed and I'm like, what do? So I, I see. I mean, uh, sorry. No, you go. I was going to say, I see a new computer in your background. That is not a new computer in my background. I see a visible computer in your background. That's my work computer in my background. Oh. And this is my personal computer. Um, I see. It's just that I do not have the playpen set up in my office anymore. And that's why it looks different. It does. It looks, it looks more spacious. My child considered the playpen to be literal jail, uh, mm-hmm. much like Rumpelstiltskin's cell. Uh, mm-hmm. It was just there to contain him and make him miserable. So I have removed it and put some padding on the floor, and now I just have to hope I don't roll over his tiny little fingers. Did 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 uh did he write Emma thousands of times on a single sheet of paper? No, but he does say ma 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 ma. So much like much much like it. We're getting there. We're getting there. He's almost crawling. It's very cute. He's adorable. I have the best little boy. That's yeah. That's that's the update for me. I've been uh, doing that, and uh, yeah, mm-hmm. mm. yeah. That's that's life. Just just yeah. life. Just life in quarantine times. That and watching a lot of TV. I've watched so much other TV <laughs> in the meantime, and think, scripted some videos. So please look forward to it. I think between when this came, when this episode came out originally. And then binging it after the baby was born and this watching it for this podcast. I have watched mm-hmm. this current episode four times. Yeah. Sounds about I, right. And I still had to read the recap to keep up with everything that happened in this episode. There I'm looking forward to whenever the the plots coincide back in one place again, because following three different storylines in three different places is a lot. Yeah. Um, as yeah. you'll be able to tell in the synopsis. Shall we Shall we get into it? Here's the not-so-basic plot. Once upon a time, Captain Hook pretended to rescue Belle from the tower in hopes that she'd know how to conquer Rumpelstiltskin. When he realized she was pretty useless for this task, he moved to dispatch her, only to have his hook magically ripped away by Queen Regina. 
Regina proposed that he help her with a task, kill her own mother via heart theft so that she won't, wouldn't be able to follow them to the world without magic once the curse was cast. She enchanted his hook to be able to remove exactly one heart, spun a magic hat, and sent him and a dead guard off to Wonderland to bring home a different corpse. Once there, Hook discovered that Regina's mother was the mysterious Queen of Hearts. Hook attempted to steal her heart, but since hearts are kind of her whole bag, she'd already removed hers for safekeeping. She counter-grabbed his heart and squeezed it until he told her everything about Regina wanting her dead, the curse, and the new land. Cora then enlisted Hook to help her trick Regina into thinking she was dead, so that she could kill Regina instead. After all, what good would his revenge on Rumpelstiltskin be if he couldn't remember anything once he got there? Hook, being a self-serving pirate, agreed to the double cross. Cora's body, in air quotes, was presented to Regina shortly before the curse was enacted. Privately, Regina revealed to her mother's air quotes dead body that she was sorry she had to kill her because she's thankful for who she'd become thanks to her. She remembered her mother telling her shortly after she had murdered her one true love that love is weakness. Because of that, she needed Cora to be dead because her love for Cora was her weakness. Once Regina left, Hook came back to retrieve Cora, confused as to why he didn't kill her daughter. She didn't kill her daughter. It's very confusing. Cora had not been expecting her daughter's confession of love and changed her plans. They'd shield themselves in a patch of land from the curse's grasp. While they'd be put to sleep for 28 years, they'd remain in the enchanted forest until the curse was broken. When that happened, she'd swoop into the new world to help her daughter pick up the pieces and then Hook could get his revenge. In the present-day Enchanted Forest, Snow, Emma, Mulan, and the secretly possessed Aurora find the cell that once held Rumple. Their search for the magic squid ink ends with a dried-up bottle and a piece of parchment with Emma's name scrawled all over it. Aurora suddenly closes the cell, locking them all in, just as Cora and Hook appear to gloat. Threatening Aurora's life by squeezing the heart, Cora convinces the good gals to hand over the compass. Emma confronts Hook about the double cross, which he says is payback for leaving him high and dry on the beanstalk. He then points out that he kept the giant's dried up, useless magic bean as a souvenir and compares it to Emma unflatteringly. Hook and Cora then run off to Lake Nostos to revive the magic in the dust of the cabinet's ashes. Emma throws herself a pity party, convinced that she was never really a savior, just a pawn in Rumpel's curse game. Snow reminds her that she still broke the curse and saved everyone. Suddenly, Snow remembers, thanks to her past with Cora and her book, that magical ink can be used after it's dried. She blows on the Emma parchment, which opens Rumpel's old cell. Aurora rightly asks her to be secured in the cell as long as her heart can be used against her. Mulan ties her up and assures her that she'll come back for her. They all run off to Lake Nostos, where Cora has resurfaced the where Cora has resurfaced the magical lake's waters. A fight ensues over the compass. Aurora's heart almost takes a plunge into a portal, but Hook catches it and hands it over, because he'd hate for a woman to lose his heart, lose her heart over something that's not him. Snow tells Mulan to run back to Aurora immediately, and she does. Hook then takes some awful innuendo at a pinned Emma, much to his disadvantage, because she's strongest when she accidentally wins something, and she's landed directly on the compass. She knocks him out just in time to save Snow from having her heart ripped out by Cora. Cora's hand goes into Emma's chest instead, but she can't get Emma's heart out. 
because in reality, love isn't weakness, it's strength. A blast of white light comes from Emma's heart, knocking Korra prone, and Emma and Snow escape with the compass into the portal. Mulan returns Aurora's heart, and they decide to adventure together a little longer. Next up, rescue Prince Philip's soul from the wraiths. When Hook awakens, Korra is quietly seething about their failure, but Hook reminds her that, with the help of Lake Nostos, they can return the magic that once lived inside the giant's bean. Meanwhile, in Storybrooke, Mr. Gold convinces Regina that they should seal the magic well, making it a deadly locked door so that Cora cannot come through to Storybrooke. Although Regina doesn't want to run the risk of accidentally killing Snow and Emma, Gold emphasizes to her that not only is this about mitigating the greater risk, but it's also a win-win outcome either way. They steal all of the magical fairy dust and seal the well. When Grumpy and Ruby discover that all of the diamonds are gone, they tell Henry, who runs to the well and convinces Regina that she's making the wrong choice. Regina, who desperately wants to be seen as a better person by her son, removes the curse from the well just in time for Emma and Snow White to safely make it home. Henry tells them that Regina saved their lives, and Gold is disgusted by the whole scene. Snow and Ruby rush off to find Charming. True Love's kiss does its job, and the young, royal grandparents are once again reunited. The good guy gang goes off to celebrate, leaving Regina behind. Gold makes sure to twist the proverbial knife in her heart about it. A fog has settled over the Storybrook Bay. A shadowy figure of a ship can be seen breaking through. It's the Jolly Roger, carrying Hook and Cora into the land without magic. That's a lot of episode. There's a lot in this episode. Uh, my my favorite line of the whole episode is at the very, very beginning of this when Hook has valiantly gone into the tower and murdered a tower guard who he'll later have to drag through a portal um, to rescue Belle. Um, he's like, you have to come with me. You have to come. Your father's under attack by Rumpelstiltskin. You have to know a way to stop him. And she's like, what? I don't... He's like, no, some sort of magical weapon, something that'll stop him. She's like, oh, no, I just need to talk to him. There's no weapon. And he's like, oh, well, what good are you? He knocks her out. He's like, so pretty. And yet so useless. And I was like, wow, that's the best observation we have made about Belle lately. This whole. And it's really, it's really bad for Emily de Raven, Robin Raven. She's she's fantastic. She's 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 fantastic. The she's actress is great. Fun to watch. I loved her on Lost. Um, I enjoy her performance in this. It's just really sad that she has such garbage material to work with. She yeah, she's fine. They've just given her terrible stuff to work with, yeah. and it's not her fault. Yeah, it's not. It's it's rarely the actor's fault. It's kind of how I feel about uh, Sarah Bolger and Jamie Chung as Princess Aurora and Mulan. I they are both. <laughs> yeah, they're done so dirty by this storyline because yeah. Oof. I will say though, um, not to start off like on a super negative note, I do really enjoy this episode. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I like it on the whole. I think this is okay. this is um, this is a very strong mid season finale. Uh, if memory serves, because I have to finish the season and maybe I'll feel differently when I watch it fresh. I felt that this mid-season finale was stronger than the actual season finale. 
Okay, I don't remember what how this season ends, so I'll have to look it up. Um, I uh, yeah, <laughs> we, we we might disagree about this one. Um, I found too many thing, too many little things that uh, irritated me on behalf of other characters, mm. or just in general, where I was tired of things happening, and I was really I the the happiest thing for me is that we finally get back to Storybrooke because I was. So tired of Pity Party Emma. So tired of Pity Party Emma, which I think reaches its head during this episode. That comes yes, to a head during she, this episode. The the solution to to this to this let's just start with with Pity Party Emma. Or uh how did I how did I put it? A self-loathing soiree. Um at, at one point. She's so throwing a self-loathing soiree. When she's in the cave towards uh towards the back half of the episode. I mean, every every single episode that she's been in this other world, she's yeah. upset because suddenly she's not the hero. Her her mother, Snow White, is suddenly this badass hero who knows what's going on. And Emma's useless to help in anything. She doesn't know the land. She doesn't know the creatures or the inhabitants of this land. Everything she does backfires. I understand. That's very frustrating. But she also refuses to take a step back and maybe be guided. Which I feel like this this bothers me for Emma. I, I feel like this may be an odd place to have it in this season because we've seen her feel useless and then take the initiative to climb up that beanstalk. She's the one that made that whole episode move. She's the one that got the compass back. She dealt with Hook, you know. She dealt with the giant without murdering him. Without murdering him. She did a fantastic job earlier in the season. So I was a little like, why? I haven't when done anything. Comes, I'm no one's savior. Like, Dude, you climbed a whole you climbed a whole uh, beanstalk and recovered the compass earlier. This is, I I can barely I get it, walk I get up it a flight was a day of ago. stairs without getting winded. So I get it was a day or two ago, and that's a long time ago in episode talk. But <laughs> come on, oh yeah, of course this also all happens over the course of like maybe a day. Give it a couple days. There's a couple days because they do have to do things before dark. Yeah, it's and so I was just. I, yeah, I, Emma's magic was an answer. I wrote Emma's magic as an answer to the nine episode long pity party mm-hmm. because I was just so once she once she saved everybody, and you know how it is whenever you finally get to that goal and it's not as thrilling as you wanted it to be, and it's like cool. Now what? I, or it was as thrilling as you wanted it to be, but then there's nothing to look forward to afterwards. This is also an episode where everyone had to take stupid pills for the plot to, to move. Ooh, so when uh, we're in the cave mm. and we find the piece of paper that says Emma, 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 and they're like, oh, no, the ink's used up. I was like, oh, you, well, cool. You, you found f- it. You found the ink. And they're all like, oh, it. no. And I'm like, you've got the ink. Like, yeah, it was yeah, never clear see it but them. how the ink needed to be used to, to solve the situation anyway. So, like... I- did she use all of the ink to open the door? I think or so. Or just part of the ink? Because okay. she picked up the paper and she Well, they didn't have the compass it. anymore. They didn't have the compass anymore, so it's not like they could have used it for their intended goal of making the compass work. It, so that's fair. It reminded me of one of my favorite scenes in television bad CGI history. Um, putting a quarter in the jar now. But when Willow goes dark and she eats all the books with her magic... And like the, the the all the symbols are like running across her face and stuff, and then her hair and eyes go black. I loved that scene, and the letters coming off the pages kind of reminded me of that, so I was happy. Mm-hmm. Snow White's unending optimism does a lot for this whole episode. Yeah, I think that skipped a generation. 
Oh, it absolutely did. Well, she was they in the, stayed in the episode. <laughs> no, no offense. She was in the foster system. Mm. And she likes to she likes to point out that her being her time in the foster system is what makes her kind of a pessimistic realist. Um, she yeah. sees the worst in everybody. She's out. She's not used to relying on others. I get that she's not used to relying on others helping her. But wow, I expected her to be more resourceful than this. <laughs> yeah, we also got our. Our, I think every season we need at least one big reveal of like who someone is in the other world. So we got our Cora is the Queen of Hearts. Cora is the Queen of Hearts. Which that that was a big deal to me. Like I, I thought whenever, that was great. I remember perfect when I first saw it. Yeah, that was a great reveal. That makes sense. Yes. Uh, so just to... just spot on. Like I I wish they would do like a Once Upon a Time, but like in Wonderland, I would watch that show if it were good. Um, Good news. <laughs> good. Good news. <laughs> there Question is a now. Once Upon a Time in Wonderland show. I want to I want to go quickly to um when Regina invites uh Hook to get have tea with her so they can chat and it, it ends up being wine. A, few, a couple things I noticed from this scene just as a props thing and also because I have a lot of these like silver wine glasses in in my possession. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that she hands to hook is bent. <laughs> it's because those prop glasses like, have been sitting around in someone's those me- storage. It's, yeah. Those metal things you drop it once it's dented, you yep. know, and it got, it probably got dropped. She's handing it to a guy who's holding a hook in one hand. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it probably got dropped. and It's got a little dent. It's not like a terrible dent, but it's like, instead of the opening of the cup being circular, it's a little squashed on one side. And I, as a person who does, has done live theater and is also clumsy and has dropped things, appreciated that. Um, my question though is, why is it that when you have two villains together having a serious talk, does it always look like they're about to make out? Oh my God, right? Okay, but the dress does not help. The vibe. <laughs> oh my, the, Regina's dress in this scene is so good. It's That's so fine. good. Um, I love how it transitions with the lighting because I mean, she, she's in an earlier scene that's brightly lit. So it's, you see this, like it's a rich cobalt blue, but later in her private chambers because of all the dark background. I, I like that oh, they've, yeah. I don't know if they've um, done some color grading to darken it more than it normally is, but it being this like deep uh, navy, the next time we see the same freaking dress, uh, I actually liked that. I thought that was really good. It fit the scene in that way. It's not, as distracting as it could be, um, even <laughs> though it is a distracting dress because damn girl. Oh yeah. I like how sparkly it is. I, I love this dress. Like this might be one of my favorite garments she wears. I'm like, <laughs> I, I love how it's like got these broad shoulders. It's cinched in at the waist. I like the detailing. The material <laughs> looks, the material doesn't look like that cheap fake velvety material that we usually use for like costumes. It looks oh, yeah, like no. the, it looks like the genuine article. Any budget that doesn't go to CGI in this show goes to main character wardrobe. Yes. And we've had Obviously. some we've had some Regina costumes that are good but very costumey. This looks mm-hmm. fantastic and this updo, her makeup. Oh, I like her pompadour. Her makeup is still, you know, the evil queen but it's softened a little bit. 
I think, to mm-hmm. make her look a little more sultry, a little more uh, traditionally feminine for this scene. She's got to be sultry. She's She's got to convince a pirate to help her do evil stuff. It worked. And also, they're going <laughs> to almost make out over wine. It worked. I will do whatever he, she says. Hook is now almost made out with Cora. He's almost made out with her daughter. Um he, he's he's probably attempted to almost he's absolutely almost attempted to make out with Emma. Uh, so every female actress, every female actress, wow, Elaine, uh, every actress who gets into a scene with Hook gets almost made out with. Do I think do I think that uh, Lana Perea is one of the most gorgeous women on the earth? Yes. Yes. Am I attracted to her or is it compet? That is the question. <laughs> also yes 100 times a day <laughs> am i attracted to you or is this comp hit uh that's a word i've that's that's a phrase i've never heard before oh, uh, comp- don't know that uh, one compulsory heterosexuality uh you have a lot of queer people who may battle with like am i bisexual am i attracted to people of the same gender or is it the social conditioning that oh. makes me or opposite gender, or is it the social conditioning that you are supposed to be attracted to people of the opposite gender? Um, See, for for me, it's, am I attracted to you or do I also want, or do I want to look like you? mm, And it's yes. That's a whole, that's a whole nother thing. It's yes. I absolutely, I absolutely still want to Halloween up as uh, evil queen Regina at some point. Yeah. Absolutely do. Um, Oh, oh. Speaking of, speaking of, uh, Here, I, I'm just ready I, to get was, to Sonequa Martin-Green being on the show. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, one thing I noticed, I uh, last episode, I mentioned something about, oh, can anyone pull out hearts now? I know that he gets his hook enchanted. That was in this episode. Mm-hmm. He gets his hook enchanted in this episode. Mm-hmm. So he can only pull out absolutely one heart and he uses it on Aurora. Yep. Which seems, oh, I mean, like a waste. Yeah, it seems kind of like no a offense to Aurora. Move. No offense to Aurora. Yeah, and I get that he he's kind of in a desperate place. Both the people who are going to help him suddenly don't see him as useful, and he has to do something about it to get on someone's good side. Yep. Ah. Oh, oh it still frustrates me. Just a quick throwback to when we were talking about the Queen of Hearts and costumey costumes. Her Queen of Hearts costume was great, but in HD, mm-hmm. it does look very costumey. I do love that this this great um, masquerade mask that she has. I, I love that mask. I love that she doesn't speak out loud. That she like talks into this little speaking horn. Mm-hmm. It's so theatrical, and I I, I love it. Her her, yes. her palanquin with the with the big red velvet dress. It's, it's good. It's good. I want when they revealed her. I wanted her hair to be bigger, and I know that's saying a lot because I'm looking at a picture of her right now, and it's like. Yeah. Six inches tall. I wanted her hair to be bigger. You and I are spoiled from watching some fantastic <laughs> drag performers. And so when you see a dr- when you see a dress this big, you're like, okay, well, obviously the hair has to be bigger. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The the hair was a little small for this dress. Well, Regina that's, had bigger that's hair. That's my Michelle, Michelle Visage note for this. Regina had bigger hair when she had that wig that's in an updo. It was also oh. much more. <gasps> That's what it is. I'm used to Regina's big hair all the time. Yeah, because when Regina hair when Regina's hair goes big, it is big and it's fantastic. You know, they say the higher the hair, the closer to God. But Regina is going for the throne. Regina has attacked and dethroned <laughs> God. 
Yeah, um, that's what's happening. That's what's trying to happen there. <laughs> I think that's that's a Regina that's a Regina uh, Regina Mills quote, right? Attack and dethrone God. <laughs> sure, sure. That sounds right. That sounds right. Uh, Keep track of where we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Hook is very Hook. <laughs> Hook is being Hook. And like I said, he's self-serving even whenever it doesn't really serve him. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like he's all over the place with his alliances in this episode. Um, when when you have a character that you want to portray as like chaotic neutral, mm-hmm. watch Hook. Yeah, because you never know what he's going to do because he's like, oop, my interests have suddenly changed. Got to go this way now. His motivations seem to be clear, like whatever serves him best in this specific moment with no actual foresight in terms of like what the consequences of those actions will be. (laughs) Yes. Like, I'm going to fight you and I'm going to get my way. Oh, but this heart that I took away from that lady here, I saved it. Make sure she gets it back. So we all love our chaotic neutral rogue. Even when he's doing bad I, things. I, you know what I didn't like about our chaotic neutral rogue? His disgusting innuendo during the fight. Yeah. It was so forced uncomfortable. and... Uh, it was real uncomfortable. And obviously there's no consent behind it because they were fighting and he had her pinned to the ground. Um and so for him to make gross innuendo about usually he prefers to do other things with women on their backs. I was just like, Ugh. which also that's all talk because we, we all know that captain hook gets pegged. Yeah. By Emma later. Uh, that's, that's later. Um, well, Mila probably started it. Yeah. I'm just saying that, uh, you don't at me or do at me because it doesn't matter. You won't change my mind. Captain Hook gets pegged. <laughs> pegging rights. Can we say pegging and still not have an explicit tag? Sure. It's not a dirty word. Pegging isn't a dirty word. Elaine. Pegging is not a dirty word. <laughs> I'm like, the, I'm like the queen of, Oh, you can't say that. All right. Let's see. I'm trying to figure out where I want to put some of these things. All right. Let's go with the waste of magic plot. <laughs> We'll be talking about waste of magic a lot really soon. We, yeah, we we are going to be uh, this weekend. Uh, as of this recording, this weekend we are going to be guest hosting on the podcast Rekindled with Jeff and Maggie, uh, in which they invite a guest, in this case two guests, to suggest a book that they all read, and we. I, I'm sure this should be later in the podcast, but yeah, we I'll- suggested. We suggested a book and there's a lot of talk about wasting magic in it. So this is on, this was on my mind while I watched this episode. And so the whole, the whole plot where gold convinces Regina that they need to make the well, a deadly portal that'll kill anything that tries to come through it. And then Regina at the last minute is like, wait, no, first off, she didn't really super agree to it to begin with, but she still went along with it. I'm just going to say, which is very weak. Top 10 subplots that could have been cut. Yes. Mm. As I mm. say this, I do realize that it does give us something that I was complaining about, which is What's an on screen chance for um, Regina to actually have a moral dilemma and actually yeah. try to be better. So we did get that out of it. 
Yeah, that's that's the only purpose it served. It also served the purpose to show us that um, apparently the fairies were just using the dwarves as slave labor because they could get the magic out of the diamonds with their wands and it didn't need to be ground up. Oh, no, but they like they like to be forced into servitude. When they freed one of the dwarves, he became a drunk. Wait, no. <laughs> wrong, wrong, that's wrong property, wrong IP. Book. That's a different book. <laughs> wrong IP. <laughs> Um, I just, you know, she was trying to be a better person and I get it. I appreciated that part of it. It was us actually seeing her struggle because she was convinced by the whole, yes, if Cora gets here, bad things will happen. She was trying to do the greater good of it. She just also felt bad about it and lost her. And I hate to say faith for someone she doesn't, for two people she doesn't necessarily like, but she does have faith that these two will always somehow make it through. Just. She said that in the last episode, Snow White and Charming will always find their way back to each other. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. So for her to hesitate like that, and then at the last moment, instead of fighting back a little more, I felt was weaker than Regina should have been. Mm. I, I think that Henry being it's, it's involved difficult. changed things a lot. Yeah. And I think that... Um, well, Henry was always involved. Yeah. <sighs> But I don't know. I just think that's something about him being in the full knowledge of everything and encouraging her to quit magic because magic as an addiction metaphor has to happen because. But then, but then once again, once again, she shows that she can use her magic for good stuff. Yeah. So quitting cold turkey, still not helpful. Yeah. Like if she quit, they'd have just died. Yep. I, I just think that for her, I, I think it's a it's a trauma response. You know, she has the 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 upbringing that magic is used to get your own ends. It's an it's a selfish thing to do, yeah. and so her relationship with magic is fraught, and that's why she has the 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 relationship she has with it. Um, you can tell I've been reading Refuge Recovery. <laughs> so, <laughs> Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Refuge Recovery is a uh, addiction treatment program, but it's different than AA. It's more about changing your relationship with substances and how you use them rather than um, thing bad, stay away. Uh, yeah. It works better for some people. Other things work better for other people. I liked Refuge Recovery. So, yeah. Um, so, I also didn't appreciate gold's sudden just they've been going along with this thing the whole way this is how we're going to get them home he's been helping with that Uh all of a sudden he's like what if they just don't come home yeah that felt that felt like completely out of nowhere it felt contrived it felt very contrived like this entire plot line like the third the third plot line of this this the story yes it felt Ah. like we needed to create some kind of conflict just for the sake of it as though the messily choreographed fight sequence by the by the um pond wasn't enough we needed a little more there's there's so much to follow in this episode and there was so much conflict already that adding this other plot line just made like i I probably wouldn't have been as irritated with this episode if it didn't have this too it was just one too many things for me to be irritated with and it like it literally they spent so many episodes digging in that mine to find those diamonds and it's gone in like one two minutes worth of magic that was then just canceled by like, Oh, by the way, press escape. Okay. It's gone now. Now things I like about this episode 
this made me do a full journey. Okay. Cora faking her death, Regina saying what she says to Cora, and Cora changing her mind mm-hmm. as someone that does have a complex relationship with one of my parents felt very real. That part, that part I'll agree with. I mean, like the I'm not sending I, someone to another world to steal my father's heart, but you know, the part <laughs> I, the part I do not agree with specifically on that storyline is when she's talking about how her love for her mother is her weakness. And, uh, it's just like, by the way, Oh, sorry, dad. Yeah. Like for a character that we saw die off screen, in the very first, like the first episode, was that the first episode, second episode? I don't know. First second, season, second, the second episode mm-hmm. for a character that we watched her have this crisis dilemma about, and for her to suddenly say that her mother would be her weakness in the other world. Ouch! I'm offended for dad, and I'm mad about it. I think and it's just like screw you, dad. I, just I, I, I'm going to throw you. Why not steal her mother's heart to do the curse? I think it's because it's not just her love. For her mother, it's the, the the complex feelings she has around that love. And part of that is how she's coped with the abuse that her mother has given her. She's I still guess, afraid yeah. of her mother. She still she still yeah. does what her mother says. And I, I come so, from it from a different place because I don't have a complicated relationship with my parents. Yeah, I, I feel like this is very much, you know, she does love her mother, but it's it's wrapped up in a lot of other feelings and her mom being around in curse world would would prevent her from focusing she, on the things she needs to focus on. She doesn't know how to tell her mom no. Right. We've seen that in the past. She doesn't know how to tell her mom no. Even whenever she's in control of things, she didn't know how to tell her mom no. The only way she could get out from under her mom's power was to ban her. Right. Banish her. And to, in the case of killing her father in episode two, way back when, I think that that is a part of her journey that should have been addressed more throughout the series because yes. that's her becoming her mother. Yes. In a big way. Sorry, I just made all sorts of table noises and I know you hate those yeah. in recording, but that was me showing yeah. my frustration. Which, <laughs> just, which again, when, when that scene happens, it's like, we never reference it. That does happen after this in the stories canon. You know what I mean? Like when she sees her mother in the vault, she has not, killed henry her father henry not her son mm-hmm. henry. Um, i know that it's right before i know she sees her it's the same day as the curse it's 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 yeah it's the yeah. same day as the curse yeah it's like that evening that that's it's going down um which that scene also was it was big for me because i realized afterward when cora says well in 28 years the curse is going to be broken She's going to fail, and that's when she's going to need me. And at first, I was like, oh, that's sweet. Her mother cares for her. And then I was like, no, mm-hmm. her mother wants to continue manipulate, manipulating mm-hmm. her and controlling her. And I was like- But she doesn't see it that way. And She doesn't see it that way. Again, that's the thing. Like, you're, you're in that place. You don't see it that way. Your parent may not even see it that way. Because That's I, what I'm saying. No, that's, her, that's what I'm saying. Cora doesn't see right. that she's going in to manipulate. She's going in to save her daughter and get her back to her rightful place because she knows she'll fail without her. Because again, most villains like, don't say, I'm evil. They really think they're doing the right thing, even when what they're doing is- horrible and so this mm-hmm. makes Cora to me an interesting character I have a I have a I still have more questions about that that again it's an ongoing discussion of whether 
given this episode, is Korra a good villain or a lazy one? We'll have a lot about that. We'll have a lot to talk about regarding that over the course of the rest of the season. Because um, I'm, I'm still, yeah, I don't know. I, I wish don't know. someone tell me because I can't remember why I wrote this note. But someone used the line. Oh, I remember now. I think it was Snow mm-hmm. going in, going to Rumpelstiltskin's cell. Okay. Where she says, I haven't been here since before Regina's curse. Yeah. You haven't been anywhere since before Regina's (laughs) curse. No one has. This line did not need. (laughs) I don't know why it bothered me so much, but I was like, girl, you haven't been nowhere. (laughs) Well, she was so, as someone who, as someone who recently stopped being pregnant because I had a baby, uh, there, there's a weird disconnect of, whoa, I, last time I was here, there was another person inside of me. And that it's just a, it's just jarring. Like all, all of mine was just last year. And it's still like, I put on a dress that I had worn. I had last worn when I was pregnant and I put it on and I ran out to my husband. I was like, look, look, Ellie, yeah. look. <laughs> I have that same feeling every time I go to that one park by the airport. Last time I was here, someone was inside of me. Yeah, there's no person inside. Yeah, nice. I I knew as soon as I said it, I was just trying to talk right through it. Nope. To see if Mm -hmm. I could escape it, but I I knew you caught it. I I am uh, sorry. I will make anything uncomfortable and sexual, just like her. (laughs) Turns out I was was the villain all along. It was gross. Yeah. Um, So a, a note that I, whenever the pirate ship is rolling into the bay. Cora uh, is carrying the dead rose, the, the dried rose from her funeral that Regina gave her. Yeah. I think she kept it with her heart. Mm-hmm. She probably kept it safe wherever she stored her heart is what I'm assuming. Oh, yeah. Oh, good line from her. Mm-hmm. I'm the queen of hearts. Do you think I'd keep mine where everyone else does? I was like, <laughs> no, I love that. that yeah. That was the best move she made. Yeah. Also, her outfit may explain a little bit about her motivation since she literally has no heart. Oh, absolutely. Oh, God, no. She definitely doesn't. She, I think she says that later on. She doesn't keep her heart on her person so that it can't affect her. Yeah. It's, um, um, it's her. We haven't crux. gotten to that yet. Yeah. Her heart is her horcrux. <laughs> have a heart. Oh, I have one. It's just over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So she's. It's in this yeah, snake like said, that tried to stop World War II. Bad, bad parents don't know they're bad parents. They think they're doing their best and they're doing it out of love. Mm-hmm. You know, except for the ones who are like, I hate my kids. I wish I'd never done this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of parents, though, I will once again go back to Jennifer Goodwin because you know I'm all about the good guys. Um, I was, I was so, I was not impressed with the sword fight. We had just done the whole Cora had tried to rip out the heart and it's the big, the big surprise of Emma blasting love magic out and knocking Cora behind. And at first I was like, okay, all right. And then Jennifer Goodwin comes in and puts her hand over Emma's heart and Emma says something. What was that? And Jennifer Goodwin just has this one tear that just drops heavily from her face and says, we'll have, we'll have time to talk about that later. And I was like, I'm back in, I'm yeah. back in the episode. Yeah. Um, big time. I, her, so we we need to talk. Jennifer about, Goodwin's free falling tears are MVP for this whole show for me. Absolutely, she's fantastic. 
but I, I think we've been dancing around it. We need to talk about like Nostos because this is the thing that made me. Oh, absolutely! I was waiting. Entire episode. I was waiting. I was waiting to get through all the other stuff. So all along, someone could have just pulled the water up from the depths. You could have gotten mm-hmm. a pump. You could have done. Could have just something. dug a little more. So essentially, Mama Charming died for nothing. Yeah, I mean, she, we already knew she died for nothing. <laughs> she she died for plot development, but it was rude. She got refrigerated, yeah. like full on. She it got was, refrigerated so that. I mean, there's there's been magic in this land this whole time. Someone magical could have gone and done that. Like, yeah, there were. You, you, I think back to what Snow said, which was, "Hey, we can use this on you and find another cure for me." Hmm. Nope. Nope. <gasps> I, well, and Snow didn't know that she was being uh, counter-cured, so... Correct, but it's still... Not her fault. Makes me so, still, it makes me so uh, angry mm, that that water was there the whole time. Yeah. It's when it's convenient. Uh-huh. It's once again... What do I always say? It's, Only the good die for real. Yep. It's just like how uh, Emma's magic will work for the rest of the series when it is convenient. It's, it's funny. Like, even whenever I was watching this show live, I forgot she had magic. <laughs> Because she's so bad at it. Yeah. Once again, like, we're yeah. here with the Harry Potter parallels because Harry Potter is terrible at being at magic. He's all right. He's mediocre at it. He's mediocre at magic. Like he's like average. He's like C average student with his magic. It's just yeah. The whole Harry Potter series is about a C student jock who grows up to be a cop. He has some foster system problems too. He wasn't the foster. He was adopted by his aunt and uncle, who are terrible people. Which, but yeah. Yeah. It's like yeah. yeah, but yeah, we did. Yeah. Emma did level up this episode, mm-hmm. um, and once again, she still thinks Gold did it. She still thinks Gold did it. I did enjoy that exchange with mm-hmm. her and Gold. The I didn't make you. I didn't yeah. make you. You're a product of true love. Like I used like, what you are, but I did not make you. Yeah, exactly. Like he couldn't have predicted who came out of that womb. Yeah. Could have he been just an asshole. knew that he knew what she was going to be made of. Right. I mean, it, it could. It was. She, he knew it was going to be an incredibly magic, magical, powerful person who could break the curse. He didn't know that it would be someone who could, like, I don't know, become the Dark One or something weird. Like that. <laughs> right. Who would ever do that? That would be a terrible plot. Wouldn't it because be then you'd o- have to. Then you'd have to write her as an actual bad guy and not give her conflicts of good guyness. Right. Right. God, that would be... If only it were written that way. God, that would be awful. That's crazy. I'm glad they didn't do that. (laughs) Hey, remember, (laughs) wouldn't it be funny if we got to see all of the bad guys have their happy endings? Where they, like, maybe actually did the bad thing and succeeded, and that was their happy ending? That would be a great storyline to see, wouldn't it? We'll never get that. Spoilers. No, those are not spoilers. Those are anti-spoilers because it doesn't happen. Uh, there's there's a lot of like small issues with this episode, but I feel like on the whole, yeah. the, the kind of small issues I have with this episode are the kind of ones I have with the series as a whole. Like, it's, it's once again, my whole problem with the episode is unjustified previous deaths mm-hmm. that were, that happened in vain. Uh, just being tossed out like they never happened. Yeah, this this or makes, they didn't mean anything, and that made me mad at the episode. This makes other impactful deaths from before in the show feel cheap. Yes. Do we want to talk about a fun topic real quick? Sure. Aurora and Mulan. Uh, I ship it. 
I like that they're going to go rescue their boyfriend and then figure it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, they're a, um, what's the line? They're a, uh, a semi non sexual, uh, lesbian centric, uh, <laughs> triad <laughs> with a, uh, with, uh, their dead boyfriend. <laughs> who's engaged to one of them. Like, who's engaged you know, to one of them. Yeah. Who's engaged to one of them. Uh, I ship it. I like that their friendship has finally stopped being not a friendship. I like that their friendship has finally blossomed and they've stopped just being at odds with each other all the time. Because yes. that was irritating. Uh, I don't like... Okay, so as as someone who has grown up female my whole life, um, I do not enjoy when writers are like, oh, two women meet. They uh, instantly hate each other, obviously. Yeah. Because I have lots of lady friends and I'm one of those people where if I meet you and we just, you're like friendly right off the bat, that's it. New best friend. We're best friends now. Mm-hmm. I'm very rarely, very rarely contentious with people. I'm only contentious with people who have proven to me that I need to be contentious with them. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? Because I just used it four times. This show does that so much. They love to pit women against each other who don't really have a clear reason to hate each other. Which is a shame because all of their main characters are, are strong women. There's there, At this stage, Emma, Emma and Regina should be able to start working through their crap. They do finally have like at the at the end of the episode when we got our quote from at the beginning. That's their first like, wow. Yeah. So here's where I'm mad is at the end of the episode. They all go off. They all ride off into the sunset mm-hmm. and leave Regina behind. Why? Why did no one stop and turn around and say, come on, come on, they, come join us? For plot, for plot convenience, because they know, spoilers, that once Cora's in town, more spoilers, that she's not going to be able to stay good. Because there's no reason within the so episode they, for that to happen. There's they need no to reason. leave that little sad in her heart. To to and yes, this is the the rede- the attempted redeemifying of Regina. Where I'm on I'm on team Regina. I want her to do better. I want her to keep her magic. I want her to be able to keep her magic and still be seen as a good person. Like this is where I become team Regina. And I get so mad that they're like, oh oh oh, just kidding, just yeah. kidding. She's bad. The bad tendencies are too hard. They're too hard. I mean, we've seen her on this show do some really heinous shit. And we need, yes. she needs to. Season one. She needs to grow from that. However, you, you I just, <laughs> I felt it was out of character for all of the good guys to wander off and not invite her along. It After felt, she saved them. It felt so awkward. And it felt like, like even within the scene, the actors are like, all right, we're going to go now. <laughs> And and it could have just been one of those things where she could have assumed she was invited along, but Henry's the one who specifically didn't invite her. And I think she was trying to respect him. Yeah. Like if she had gone, they'd have been like, hey, Regina's here. She's coming. Yeah. Cool. Thanks for not dying us. Like also, hey, thank you for taking care of Henry. Mm-hmm. While I was away. Mm-hmm. All of us, while all the other guardians were away. Yeah, because it was just, you know, David who has his moments, but I wouldn't trust him to open a can on his own. (laughs) When he's stupid, he's David. When we like him, he's charming. And I'm not talking about a can opener can. I'm talking like, I don't think he could do one of the pull tab ones. I think that man would be perplexed. I did think that their um, their makeout session when they were reunited and she woke him up 
was squicky, but appropriately squicky. Like, yes, I was all like, normally I'd be like, Hey, there are people watching and I'm, I'm one of those people. I'm, I'll do PDA, but I'm a little shy. I'll keep it. I'll keep it at a certain level unless I've had a couple. Um, but for that one, I was like, make out with them. They can leave. It's fine. Yeah. If anyone's uncomfortable, they can leave because they've earned this. <sighs> That's what I want. I want to be able to be affectionate with my spouse without having to worry about squicking people out or them being like aggressive. Can you take that somewhere me. else? Yeah. <laughs> like, ugh. Uh, no, people are just stupid, and they make me mad. Yeah. You know what? You know what's the worst thing about Facebook groups other than Facebook? <laughs> people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I watched this episode four times and I wish I could remember exactly how I felt the first time I watched it. I didn't hate the episode. I didn't hate the episode. There were just parts of it that made me mad. Right. I was, I was mad for daddy Henry. And Oh, I said that. Mm. You, you, you said that. Mm, I said it. Well, she called him that. Mm -hmm. She called him dad. And I was like, Oh no, I just said that out loud. Um, it's been a very con- confusing time in my household because we are starting to refer to each other as our parental titles. And so every now and then I will refer to my husband when I'm talking to my son, I'll refer to my husband as daddy. Um, but never in a squicky way. So it's very confusing at home right now. <laughs> Under the advice of counsel, I choose to invoke my fifth amendment rights. <laughs> Listeners. I'm just saying that I too would be comfortable calling Elaine's husband daddy. <laughs> He's a very handsome man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I, I uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so on the whole though, I, I feel like I feel very comfortable with this episode. I, I think, I think it was That's sh- good. strong. There were like nitpicks, but I'm, I'm actually really excited to get into uh, the next story arc because yes, we're I'm going so excited to, be, to get the next story arc. We're gonna have Cora and Hook in messing around oh, in Storybrook skulking. I'm not around. excited about this story arc, but I'm glad you are. I'm ready for us to argue about stuff. They're just like dumb idiots, and I it doesn't really bother me that much. <laughs> um, I like the reveal that we'll have later this season of the real villain who will pop up. That's gonna be fun. Spoilers: there's a there's another big bad this season. Trying to figure out where we are. Um, the Muggles, the anti-magic oh, yeah. people. That's this. That's this season still. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're awful. I love them. But we get we get they're again awful. we get Sonequa Martin Green in the show later this season, um, who I love because I have nothing but respect for my captain, Michael Burnham. <laughs> I love I Star Trek Discovery. Oh, I was like, I was like, I don't get this reference. Oh, I haven't seen this show. I, I have gotten really like I, I've always enjoyed Star Trek, but I have gotten really into like really way back into Star Trek during this quarantine. And um, I'm I love Discovery so much. Um, and Picard's also a TV show, but I love Discovery. <laughs> I want to see Picard. I, sh- I need to watch Discovery. I should like Picard more than I do, but it's a little bit okay, where I'm like. Okay. Okay. It's a little fan servicey for next generation fans. The first season was, and that was mm-hmm. fine. The yeah. second season also is, and it's kind of hitting a point where I'm like, okay. Do your own thing. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Got it. That's fair. Well, we also That's have fair. seven of nine there. 
oh. which is weird. So um, it's all the 90s stuff. They're just bringing back the 90s. Yeah. It's we love the 90s Star Trek edition. I'm like, find a way to bring in Janeway, and then I'm happy. Cause <laughs> oh, she's great. Janeway is the best captain uh, forever. The end. <laughs> uh so yeah i like i said this wasn't the worst episode for me like obviously my worst episode of all time is uh in season one yeah uh probably we had the episode the writing and the stories and the effects are absolutely much better this season than they've been as evidenced by how we've only had like one hold on i'm gonna pull up my spreadsheet real quick we haven't been scoring them as badly, yeah, I can, which is great. I can honestly say that I think from this point through next season, um, we may have individual episodes that are weaker than others, mm-hmm. but we are well past the point of the show being rocky. Like to me, this is when the show really has found its footing and we're going to get some great storylines for a good yeah. while. I, as far as as far as ratings have gone, last season we gave the fruit of the poisonous tree a unanimous one out of five mm-hmm. poisonous two headed snakes. Um, but for for this season, the worst we got was a split two out of five and one out of five severed hands. Mm-hmm. So this season's overall, we're enjoying this season much more than even though I loved season one and it had some of the high. We had so many full f- unanimous five out of fives in season one as well. What and we haven't had a single five out of five. We've had one single five out of five this episode, and that was the last episode into yep. the deep. And so, I, I'm. I think I'm ready to rate. If you are, I can rate. I'm waiting for you to rate first. Though. Ah, uh, for me, I'm going to give this episode uh, four dried up desiccated magic beans out of five for me. Okay. There's some things that prevent it from being perfect, but in terms Absolutely. of being a mid-season finale, it's strong. It sets up the next arc. It We have actual character progression and development. I'm excited from this point, pretending that I don't know what's coming next, to see <laughs> what comes next. You know what I mean? Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So uh, on that, I give this one a three out of five, just because so much of it made me angry and I was exhausted by some of the re- the overarching plot that was thankfully finally resolved in this episode. Self-loathing Luau is now over. Um, I hope, I think. We'll go on to someone else's self-loathing. It'll mm-hmm. be great. Mm-hmm. It'll be fine. Um, do we want to... So that's how I feel about that. Uh, best dressed? Regina. Um, Regina. Regina, Regina, yeah. Regina. Oh my God. <laughs> That dress, that updo, I love it. The big shoulders. The fact also, she's that, really sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. I was like, she's really the only one who gets to change clothes this this whole arc. Well, I like that um, <laughs> we had a sultry dress that wasn't all cleavage. Yes, and we're showing off. This was about like, that body. Just she's got a she's got like I feel pervy saying it like <laughs> she's got a great body. She's got a great body. She she looks she's, fantastic in the dress, and it's just I'm like, God, I hope she kept that. <laughs> like there's so many times in this show where i'm like i've been in shows where i've wanted to make a piece of wardrobe disappear and that <laughs> that would be that would be mine if 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 i uh if i if i had to wear a, a garment like that that yeah that's not going back into the shop that's going home with me oh quick question in bell's cell in the, in the tower uh we see scratched off 
hash marks of how long someone has been in the cell. Do we think those are bells? So many tallies. I have a note about so many tallies. And remind, it says, Mads, go back, count tallies before record. I did not. I did not go back (laughs) and count tallies before record. Uh, I can say right now, it's it's a lot. It's a buttload. She's been in there for a minute. She's been in there a little while. And then she okay, gets locked talk- up for 28 years. Shit. Yeah. That's Sorry. Worth- I wonder. Now, here's the thing. I have a question real quick. Oh, never mind. I just answered my own question by remembering. Mm. I was going to ask how long do we think between Bell and Rumpelstiltskin and current current past events. But they happen pretty quick because like, they at least happen around the time Dreamy became grumpy. Yes. So. Yes. Got that part. uh so we're on someone else's podcast coming up so yeah you and i are going to be on uh rekindled with jeff and maggie so it'll be rekindled with jeff and maggie and elaine and mads um hey and this is exciting for me because we've worked with maggie uh quite a bit in our local improv scene uh maggie is a local stand-up comedian who has hosted our uh our improv oh what's it called improv review What's it, what's it called wherever you have different groups come together and oh, do their we, shows? when we have our rumbles. Super Collider. Oh, the Super Colliders. Yes, we've, we've, she's hosted our shows. She's, she's just. She a, hosts our Super Colliders in which we have different improv groups come together and we try to get a stand-up comedian to be the host to do little sets in between so people have time to run to the bar, which is in the theater, in, in the same space, so they still get to hear the stand-up too. Um, mm-hmm. And she's a delight. Like, I think Maggie has probably hosted Super Collider more than anyone else in town at this rate. Um, and I remember the, the first time I met Maggie was we were walking down the street after an improv show and she was standing outside of a bar. I'm pretty sure this was Maggie. And she said, I think you're awesome. And I said, thank you. And she said, I follow you on Instagram. And I thought she was talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't. I barely use my Instagram anymore. I think that was Maggie. (laughs) My Instagram is forever being assaulted. So I never use it. No, no. That was, that was years ago, Matt. It was uh, years ago. I thought I was like, Oh, I turned to Mads and she, and she said, no, you, I was like, Oh, I'm going to follow you. And I found out who she was and I went and followed. <laughs> for, yeah. For y'all who don't follow me on there, I barely update my Instagram. Cause I have a, I have a desirable name on Instagram. Yeah. No numbers. And it's just at refreshments. And I, I can pull up my email right now and I have, I get multiple attempts to steal my account every single week to where I never want to use my Instagram because it's just a chore. So it's like, um, but enough about that. We're going to be on the rekindled podcast with Jeff and Maggie, Jeff, who we don't know as well, but Jeff and I share a surname, but aren't related, which is weird. Um, <laughs> but we'll be I haven't talking, met Jeff yet. We'll be talking about rainbow Rowell's um, uh, carry on, which is because yeah, they asked us to bring a book. And I said, well, with us, you're going to get one of two things. You're going to get suspense, horror, or YA. Mm-hmm. And we went with the fun one. <laughs> Absolutely. I like. I read a lot of horror. I read a lot of books where werewolves kiss, and then I read YA. Yes. So. Well, I read a lot of mysteries, too. But, you know, these, yeah. are, these are the two things that we rec- you recommend t- to me most are horror, suspense, and YA. And so in between those is whenever I go through the whole Bridgerton series. So. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, they, like what I was like reading. Um, you know, I was reading uh, "The Revolution Will Not Be Funded," which is a critique of the 
<laughs> of, of the nonprofit sector's uh, funding system. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's probably a little dry for a podcast. <laughs> I wasn't going to read. I wasn't going to go through that. <laughs> let's, let's, uh, let's, let's drag JK Rowling for, for a couple hours. <laughs> that's yes. So carry on is going to be a lot of fun. It's another magical universe. Uh, lots of magical re- realism. In this case, it's magical realism in which modern technology also exists and works. Yay! But uh, this episode will drop um, on the 28th. So, uh, listeners, you will have that to look forward to very shortly after this um after this record after you hear this so if you haven't had a chance to pick up the book yet and you're curious about it we're going to recommend it heavily on the episode but go ahead and uh i fully recommend picking up carry on by rainbow rowell it's also great on audio just for the record the sequel to carry on by rainbow rowell which is wayward son is one of the only physical books i have read in the last five years jeez you still because i do everything audio I do. Yes, I do. I haven't read it yet. Uh, I do everything by audiobook because that's what I have time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was no audiobook yet at the library for whenever, uh, when Wayward Son came out. So I actually sat down and read a physical book in my free time and it was delightful. Yep. And I'm looking forward to listening to the audiobook. So you can hear us on uh, the Rekindled Pod. That's at Rekindled Pod. Uh, You can find their podcast, just like ours, wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. The full name is Rekindled with Jeff and Maggie, I believe. Because there were like three other podcasts also called Rekindled Something. Mm. So (laughs) make sure you find the one that's with Jeff and Maggie. Yes, which you can find on our Twitter. I think we've actually already retweeted the announcement. So uh, another lovely friend of ours was a uh, a couple of lovely friends of ours have been, have been guests on the show. On yeah. the show. Uh, we're part of the extended Casey Harmon universe now. We need um, to get we need to get Casey Harmon on this show. And then my friend Leslie uh, was on the show, and she may have spoiled them. So I might have to uh, do some research because she brought them cookies. Aww. Yeah, so I'm going to have to see if they uh, want a rum cake or something. Okay. Also, <laughs> All I know how to do is cook with booze. I don't know. <laughs> also, keep an eye on our Twitter because something fun will be happening there very soon, but I'm not going to say what. So, Oh, I, I don't even know what this is, so I'm excited. You know what this is. Out. We've talked about it. I'm just going to remind you whenever we stop recording. Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we're doing that, that my family thing where we don't know how to hang up the phone. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, and because we're excited about Rekindled and we're we, excited to pick up the rest of the season. So should we? Works. Yeah. So this has been Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. This has been Story Broke. Miserably Ever After. A Your Pretty Friend production. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate and review us almost anywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. You can also follow us on Twitter at StoryBrokePod. This episode has been made possible thanks to the love and support of our spouses and listeners like you. Thank you.